snooty, snobby, bougie. Nothing quite gets under our skin like when we feel someone thinks they're better than us. But yet, the odds are that you think you're better than the average person too. Today, we are talking superiority. We'll explore how humans are evolved to rank each other and the theories about why we tend to put ourselves higher in those rankings. We'll also look at what happens when that feeling of superiority goes a little too far. All to answer our rude question, do you think you're better than me or something? That's what's coming your way on In Polite Society. You're listening to Impolite Society with Laura and Rachel. Well, hello there and welcome back to Impolite Society, the only podcast on the planet that digs into the strange history and social science to answer the questions you can't ask the officer who's pulled you over at a McDonald's outside of a Six Flags because your license plates are 18 months expired. Sounds like it might be a true story. I'm always up to date plates, Rachel. And I'm Laura. (laughs) And today we are talking about a topic that came a little bit from left field, a glimpse behind the curtain, folks. But we do try to plan our content in advance. Try. Emphasis on try. (laughs) (laughs) Try and you shall succeed, right? Sometimes. Not in this case. (laughs) No, we went off script because I had a question that just struck me out of the blue. It was a question I'd always been a little bit interested in and planning to get to, but today just felt like the right day for it. And Inspiration struck. It hit hard and it hit burning because it's a burning question that I think- That kind of burning? A lot of different kinds of burning. Okay. All the kinds of burning. (laughs) But it's a question that I know crosses my mind pretty often. I've caught myself wondering it based on a coworker's tone in an email or a slightly condescending smile from a friend or a piece of unsolicited advice from a stranger. Maybe renew your license plates. It just <laughs> makes you wonder, what, you think you're better than me or something? And when you say it, you have to get really Brooklyn with it. I feel like that's the natural way I'm to do walking it. I'm walking here. Of, yeah, <laughs> and a little bit of a head wiggle as well. Definitely. You, uh, you're holding a hot dog at the same time. That feels particularly New York inappropriate. Wearing an I Heart New, New York t-shirt. and <laughs> Yeah, like all New Yorkers do. Wearing uh-huh. a Statue of Liberty crown on your head. <laughs> that's what I imagine New York to be like. You're overcoming mountains of trash while rats just race around your feet. New York. It's the greatest city in the world. (laughs) (laughs) You know, we joke about it because people from New York do tend to uh, act a little superior. Like they're better than you? Yeah, or something. Especially (laughs) when they're talking to us poor Midwestern folks out here in flyover country. And let me tell you, that kind of attitude Not just about the coast, but anybody who thinks they're better than me or thinks that I am inferior to them, that really gets my goat. Well, nobody likes feeling that way. That's that's a bad feeling to get like. And yet we all fall into the trap of thinking we're better than someone else from time to time. It's true. I try to tell myself not to do it, but it's it's hard. It's hard. And I hate it when I see people doing it obviously to other people, 
but I'm a human being. I know that I also do it too. So it's, it is something that makes me a little bit uncomfortable about myself. I don't like that I do it. It's not a good look on anybody and it's hard when we see it on ourselves. But it's funny that you bring up how you find yourself falling into the trap of superiority because I wanted to kick off this episode in true impolite society fashion by asking my co-host, Laura, directly our rude question. Have at. So, Laura, do you think you are better than the average person? This is a tricky question because... Better at what? <laughs> like, fill in the blank. Or something. Bet- <laughs> better at basketball than the average person? No. Better at anything athletic than the average person? No. Have read more scientific, research-based articles than the average person? Yes, because of this After podcast. the last two years, I can comfortably <laughs> say that that's probably the case. <laughs> yeah. Or if you think of it like, are you a better ethical person than the average person i don't know that's a hard one to answer i guess it it just totally depends i don't know what better means just in some aspects i would say yes and others no just an overall quality if we had to line up every human just based on their how good they are in general like if we were gonna send up a delegate to the intergalactic species thing and we all had to like line up do you think that you would be oh a hundo percent average (laughs) no uh uh-uh nobody should be sending me to delegate anywhere a hundo percent average (laughs) that's actually a little bit rare and we will dig into that as far as where I think I fall in the grand scheme of alien delegate lineups, I <laughs> cannot say because I had the benefit of doing the research. So if I gave my answer just yet, it would give away a lot of what we're going to talk about. So spoiler alert, I'm going to save it for the end. So you have to stay tuned to the very end to hear my answer to our rude question today. But let's just say on a whole, I'm pretty OK with my wet lump of electrified tissue that makes me who I am pretty comfortable with it (gasps) that's good so let's explore the concept of superiority how it affects our brains and what happens when we take that sense of grandiose a little too far i think the way that you just said grandiose probably qualifies (laughs) taking it a little too far (laughs) well but my new york accent wasn't too far (laughs) what was that that was a new york accent obviously Obviously. It's not in my repertoire. (laughs) (laughs) To start, we're going to bring it back. All the way back, in fact. Back to the beginning. Because to understand how we see ourselves in relation to others, we have to look at how those interactions came to exist. All the way back to the beginning. And in the beginning, there was light and competition. Resources have always been limited, and you had to get yours if you wanted to survive. But one day a little... Get it, girl. Yes. Then nobody's going to hand it to you. You got to take, take, take. And you got to beat out everybody else to get what you want. And that's how it was until one day a little life form learned it had a better chance of survival when it worked with a friend. And that connection would lay the foundation for all social and cooperative species that would ever exist. And that wasn't us. I'm sure that was something well far before. Oh, yeah. We, like a little yeah. single cell organism is like. And an amoeba was like, hey, buddy, how about we team up? Do you need a friend for the end of the world? <laughs> <laughs> 
But in a world where resources still remain limited, no matter how many friends you have, how do you share those limited resources amongst a cooperative group? I know. I know. What is your answer? What's the answer? The biggest and the best get the biggest share. Well, certainly we couldn't share it evenly. That is just plain un-American. So we are going to compare every individual member of our group and we're going to rank everyone. And then we're going to clearly display that ranking through the allocation of resources. So we can very clearly tell who's top dog by how much zebra they get for dinner, basically. But this concept here is what is called social rank theory, which is the evolutionary paradigm that seeks to explain how we establish and maintain social hierarchies, while also providing a lens to understand human behavior and mental health today. And in this theory... Members of a group are constantly ranking each other and striving to be ranked as highly as possible. But why would they want that? Well, because they want that zebra. Yes, exactly. When you rank highly among your peers, that means you have more power. And that power lets you influence the allocation of resources. And guess what happens when you control the resources? I get more zebra. Yep. Isn't that funny how that works out? (laughs) And And you can also make sure your friends get more zebras. Exactly. Which is a good transition into the two routes to get to the top, right? Because life is good up there. You get all the zebra, you get all the extra benefits. And how do you get there? Well, for most of us mammalians, there is only one tried and true way to get to the top, and that is the Thunderdome. Two men enter, one man leaves. Dominance is the one path to a higher ranking, and it's earned just by being, as we mentioned, the biggest and the baddest. If you have that sway over others, they're going to submit to you in order to prevent an attack and injury to themselves. This is the agonic route to power and influence. That's a new word, agonic? Yeah, agonistic. Again, I hear agony. (laughs) Yeah, probably, because there's probably a lot of suffering. It's lonely at the top. So you have your biggest and the baddest, but as you mentioned, that's not the only route to the top because we humans, we're not just apes bopping each other on the head anymore. Well, for the most part. Our (laughs) complex social interactions mean that we have another way to the top. We can choose to develop our special skills or our relationships to earn prestige or social influence, otherwise known as the hedonistic path to social success. The analogy that I think of here is like a tribe of yesteryear where you have your war chief who's the big bad guy who's going to bonk you on the head if you don't fall in line. But then you also have your medicine woman whose knowledge and prestige among the group means that she has value and and the group takes care of her for that reason. I think of priests or people of the book learning variety. uh, The meek. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, the advisor. Well, actually, brothers around the world. (laughs) But these ranking systems don't just exist in a vacuum, right? We don't just, everybody doesn't just get arbitrarily ranked and that's just your... That's just where you are. We are constantly sizing up each other and use all kinds of social clues to assess others' ranks, especially in comparison to ourselves. Shoes. I usually use shoes. Is that on your list? It actually is. It is. So what do you think (laughs) of me? I I always wear cheap, really beat up shoes. 
Same. So I think, hey, you're just like me. We're thrifty. (laughs) Let's start a podcast. (laughs) But that's one of our more newer status symbols or ways we denote our social standing. That can include all the cliches, right? The big house, the fancy cars, and the oppressive job titles that don't actually mean anything. I'm the vice president of product excellence and maximizing collaborative synergies. Well, pleased to meet you, Mrs. <laughs> VP. Yeah, how the hell are you? But, you know, those only do so good as far as they're conspicuous, right? Or how often you can bring them into conversation. It, that's a mouthful. You can't say that at every introduction. What do you mean? I'm the VP of PE and MCS. <laughs> how the hell are you? <laughs> People just smile and nod like, uh-huh, PE and MCS, uh-huh, uh-huh. They got VP and after that, they're just like, oh, fancy. <laughs> yeah, sh- VP of... <laughs> hey, we're both VPs of this podcast. <laughs> 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 we're promoted, hey. VP of IS, whoop, whoop. But these status symbols didn't exist in the old world. We had to rely on more physical traits like size, strength, and beauty, which I learned apparently is one of these old world status symbols that we still share with our primate relatives. I imagine it's not even just for women, too. I imagine men as well. Pretty privilege goes both ways. Well, yes. It's more for women, but also... Everyone likes someone that's good to look at. I think it goes both ways as in we pri- the things that we consider beautiful are in line with some of the other symbols, right? So for a man, it's a tall, well-built, mm-hmm. yeah. square jaw, yeah. which are going to be those signs of high testosterone and indicate higher social status. They're aligned. Yeah. But in addition to your physical body, your behavior can also share where you fall in the pecking order. And again, we share a lot of these with our non-human counterparts, like how we carry ourselves, the level of eye contact we make, and our willingness to step up to or not back down from a fight. I feel like this is one that I'm probably okay at because I'm not a person who avoids eye contact. I speak very clearly, very directly. I don't have like a meek posture I think that maybe sometimes people think that I'm a bigger deal than I am sometimes because I act like that. I went to a a Christmas party for one of my best friends. I randomly ended up being her date and I spent like 20 minutes talking to the CEO of the company. (laughs) (laughs) Katie was like, you're fucking talking to the CEO of the company. I'm like, I don't, I don't work here. Just, <laughs> yeah, I don't work here. I don't it's just care. another it's just middle-aged dude. dude. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that don't impress me much. <laughs> no, that's something I've learned from working with executives in my day job where it's like, I, you're just random people. <laughs> yeah. More than often, you're just random people who are from upper middle class families that allowed you to be in the position to become an executive. And a lot yep. of you are tall, which, you know, Fits into these uh, That's also fits. Yeah, physical yeah. status symbols. But in addition to those physical ones and behavioral, we are a little bit more nuanced these days. Like you mentioned, how we speak and what we say communicates a rank, even if we're not intentionally trying to say that. And our brains are primed to pick up all of these cues and process them without our conscious effort. And studies have found that this is happening behind the scenes. This processing of this information influences our behavior. That reminds me of this 
studies that we saw around rich people about how everyone knew in the group who had the most money without anybody talking about money. It's just it's obvious in the way that they behave and the way that they talk to people. Yeah, these we're picking up and processing it all the time. And we can't even explain why we know what we know or what we've inferred about people because it's happening in like micro expressions and all these tiny things mm-hmm. below the surface. But which is why you should always believe if you get a creeped out feeling about somebody, you should believe it because honestly, you're picking up on that stuff that you honestly can't consciously express. comprehend. Yeah. 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 Listen, listen to yourself, whether it's telling you this is the big man or it's telling you this is a creepy fucker I need to get away from. Yeah. <laughs> listen to that inner voice. Yeah. But when it comes to higher status folks or people who are rich, right, as we t- as we talked about in a rich people episode, Higher social status draws visual attention in humans as well as monkeys, which honestly explains why I can distinctly remember seeing my six foot seven husband for the first time and being attracted to him. That was just my my monkey brain kicking in and being like, why, hello there, alpha male. My, my, my. What have we here? Well, he's six, seven. How can you not see him? That speaks to that primal level of us and it draws our attention, right? Because Mm -hmm. if we were out in the savannah, the biggest male that comes walking in is usually like the one who's going to be running the show. And the one that has the most ability to protect you. Yep. Which I don't know why I thought that that was the case when he was 6'7 and 160 pounds. (laughs) (laughs) String bean. He's filled out since then. A little bit. And because we pay more attention to these high-status individuals, we also remember them better. A study that asked people to look at two faces, one with a high-ranking job title attached to it and the other with a more lower-ranking job title, participants were better able to pick out and recognize the face that was associated with the higher-ranking job title. That's totally tracks and it totally makes me sad that everyone is going to remember the senior VP of PE of MCS and then nobody remembers the person who's been bagging their groceries for the last year. (laughs) (laughs) Right. And it's not just that we see them, they stand out to us and they're memorable to us. But being around these high status individuals triggers the limbic and paralimbic brain regions, which are the part of the brain that is involved in emotional generation and reward processing. So, oh, okay. Essentially, so, being around these individuals who exhibit the qualities that we perceive is a little hit of dopamine. Yeah, for us. exactly. It's rewarding, Crazy. which means we seek out being around them. In fact, when a study looked at monkeys who had lesions to the limbic regions, so they took out that kind of reward center of the brain, those individuals, their social status plummeted as well as their ability to react appropriately to social cues because they lost that pleasure seeking of being around those high status individuals or, you know, probably just pleasure reward from social interactions in general. Okay, so that makes sense. They're no longer interested in rubbing elbows with the the creme de la creme. And so their social status just bye bye. Yeah, exactly. So we need that reward seeking to encourage us to seek out these high-status individuals. And the fact that our brain is evolved this way to assess and then prioritize those people, it shows that being around them was as beneficial to us as eating fatty foods and getting some good, good sex in. (laughs) 
<laughs> good, good sexin. <laughs> but that's just part of the story. How does our evolution to rank each other turn into us thinking that we rank higher than most other people? We will shift our focus from the big picture of humanity to the individual to look at why we feel superior and its effects on us after this break. So humans, we're really good at picking up on these cues. Um, So we're probably really, really good at knowing where we stand, where our cues put us out. So we know at all times, without question, how we rank against all the other people around us, right? You would be wrong, my friend. (laughs) What? Because we're actually pretty bad at determining where we measure up on a grand scheme. Do you mean humans actually don't know jack shit about themselves? Is that what I you're mean? That's a me? common thread in all of this research. <laughs> We're not good at knowing exactly where we are, but you can guess which way we tend to skew. Oh, I think I know. I think that we're super, super great. Yeah, here's a hint. It's the episode is about superiority, folks. So keep up. <laughs> <laughs> a very highly cited survey in 2018 found that 65% of us believe we are smarter than the average bear. And it doesn't take someone who is above average intelligence to know that those numbers don't quite add up. I am definitely below average in math, and I can tell you that that does not make sense. (laughs) (laughs) But that's not where it ends. People as a whole will consistently give ourselves higher than average marks and looks, humor, and as we talked about in a road rage episode, driving ability. So uh, still below average. Thank you. I like to think I'm like pretty average driver, but maybe even above, dare I say? <laughs> oh. So how are we taking our brains that are finely honed to determine our social standing and deciding that we belong at the tippy top? Well, there's an explanation, and it's that most of us might be suffering from illusory superiority a condition of cognitive bias where a person overestimates their own qualities and abilities. First coined in 1991, this phenomenon has many names, the above-average effect, superiority bias, leniency error, and just for funsies, I wanted to throw in the Lake Wobegon effect, which is named after a fictional town where every child is above average. Huh. This also can include a very popular concept this day and age called the Dunning-Kruger effect, which I know we've talked about in the past, and I feel like it's been in the news a lot since COVID happened. But at the center of this effect is that the less you know about something, the more confident you feel that you understand it and can speak to it. But why does this phenomenon exist? Why do most of us think we're just a little bit better than you? Do you- Because we are, clearly. Did you get my SNL reference? This makes me a little bit better than you. Penelope (laughs) is the character. I looked it up. Watched some sketches today. Linked in the show notes. (laughs) No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) You can find it. But why why do we feel that way? Why do we think that we are a little bit better than everyone when we can't all be the biggest and the baddest gorilla? Can we? I don't think so, no. No, definitely not. That's the whole reading of average. (laughs) 65% 65 of us can be better than average, Rachel. Of course. Duh, do the math. This is America. (laughs) We can be whatever we want to be. We can be be what we want. 
The first theory as to why this might be is that we pick specific people to compare ourselves to who we know are going to give us a favorable outcome. So if you (laughs) ask somebody questions, they're going to pick and choose the people who they know that they can rank up better than. So as a whole, they feel like they're better than average because they're better than all the specific people they chose. For example, if someone asked Laura, do you think you're above average at not leaving one last bite of food in the fridge to rot? You might say... (laughs) Yes, I am very good at that. I would never leave anything less than a half a serving in the refrigerator. Even if it's a half serving, I'm like, nobody's going to eat this. So then I just eat it. (laughs) But then even to rationalize that, you may think to yourself, well, yes, I'm above average. An example of that is I've been to Rachel's house. I've peeked in her fridge and seen eight different Tupperwares in there that looked like they were growing the creature from the Black Lagoon. We also tend to see these traits on a scale as well, and we'll pick where we fall on the scale as the ideal level, right? So some things we can say, yeah, that person is a better driver than me or they're more honest than me, but the level they are of that is the undesirable amount. Like they're too honest, they hurt people's feelings, or they are such a timid driver, they will sit at the roundabout for 15 minutes because they're constantly yielding. So they might be, quote, better, but is better, better. Truly. Can you have too much of a good thing? And if you're comparing yourself to Cletus the slack-jawed yokel, you're always going to come out on top. So if you think of the exact opposite of the thing you're trying to compare to, you're going to end up looking pretty good. Well, yeah, exactly. And if you pick and choose, you're better than uh, somebody at everything, right? So when you line up and cherry pick like that, you're going to think you're just better than average. What they found is they can kind of reverse this trend when instead of asking you a series of 10 questions like, are you better than the average person at this or that, they will ask you, are you better than this specific person? So instead of giving you an example and you thinking of me for something you're better than me at, you'll Mm -hmm. compare every single question to me. And when you do that, you find Mm. the results are a little bit more mixed. That makes sense. So if they had 10 questions and they asked me to think of them all in relationship to you, we would find that in some areas you would be ahead and some areas that I would be ahead, as opposed to a general person where I would think that I would be ahead across the board. Or yeah, even if we just asked you a question and asked you to give it an example or reasoning for why you felt that, your brain will go and find the specific cases that support it. So unless we're really forced to, we tend to believe that we're better than other people through those kind of comparisons. Another explanation is that it comes from egocentrism or the idea that the individual puts greater importance and significance on their own abilities. And this one rang very true to me because I think the idea of the self and our identity is one of the hallmarks of what makes us human. It's one of the biggest things we learn as children and what separates us from the animals. (laughs) So it's like when you over-exercise muscle and it becomes too strong, this idea of self can then counter and make us have a little bit of trouble realizing that other people have valid perspectives, ideas, opinions. Well, we're all the main character in our own story. Well, truly. Right, that's... And why would a bunch of NPCs be better than me? (laughs) All a bunch of nobodies around here. I'm the big man on campus. Just look at all the goods I've collected in my little... (laughs) (laughs) My little fake bag. Oh, he's in the video games. They're like, you have 12 two-by-fours. I'm like, how the 
fuck am I carrying 12 two by fours It's okay, but you, you got special boots that make your weight carrying capacity higher. <laughs> so put those two by fours in there. And then another kind of like lighter reason why we think that this bias might exist is because of actually how they frame the questions by focusing the question on the individual and, you know, structuring the question like where do you rank compared to the average person? We put a little bit more weight on it so people can then unintentionally take the structure of the question to kind of create a bigger to create a more favorable outcome for the focal point of the question which is themselves how else how does your average peers compare to you so that's the alternative where if you tweak the phrasing maybe people are a little bit more humble I don't buy this one. It seems pretty straightforward. The The word you, I feel like that's the one anyone is going to focus on. Me, me, Definitely. me, me, me. <laughs> Whether that's at the beginning of the sentence or the end of the sentence. And there's not really another way to say you. Yeah, no. Nope. <laughs> it's kind of only the one way. Nope, that one, is, that one is interesting. But my favorite reason for this, and I don't know if I buy it so much as I think that it's actually pretty wholesome. But another explanation, it's less about how we feel about ourselves and more about how we just cognitively function. And this one is called the self versus aggregate comparison. Boiled down, this one says that we're always going to rank an individual higher than a faceless anonymous mob oh i hundred yeah yeah it was crazy i had not thought about this until i read the research and i was like no this makes total sense because in many different studies they found this to be the case with one specifically asking college students to rank a randomly selected classmate from the average of all the classmates and when they did that the students would say that the person that they were randomly presented was above average which if it's pulled randomly odds are they're average or below right they're in that average spectrum but because it was a real person in front of them as opposed to this vague concept of the average student the individual always got the benefit of the doubt. I completely believe this. I think that we are so social. We are not primed to be social with a massless group called the average. We are social when it comes to an individual. We respect individuals. We don't respect mass groups. And I find this at play in myself so, so, so often. And honestly, it's something that I'm okay with. I feel a lot of empathy towards individuals, you know, but like when you present me with a mass group, I'm just like, it's a mass group of people. I can do nothing with this. People want someone to see. And that doesn't surprise me that they also think that the that what they assume for themselves, they assume for this other person. If I think that I'm above average, then yeah, sure, you're above average too. We're great. We're buds. well, and exactly. <laughs> and know? then in turn, does that actually say of how we feel about ourselves, or because we're asking them, you, a person you know, versus a nameless big mob of people? So maybe we don't think we're better than average. We think any specific person is better than the whole. Yeah, because that's just how we're primed to. Exactly. So no matter if this is a condition of being a sentient being or just a condition of how we phrase a survey question, there is no doubt that feeling above average is actually pretty average. 
But how does that affect our lives? When we fall into the trap of thinking that we're better than the average person, it creates a whole bunch of scenarios that can be problematic, including, ah, we'll be fine. But it creates all kinds of situations where we do things like overestimate our intelligence, which, I mean, this is proven time and time again by surveys that we think we're smarter than we are. It can make us think we're better at our jobs than our coworkers. The faculty of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln were polled, and 94% of them felt that they were above-average teachers. <laughs> That's a lot worse than the 65%. Jeez so the next time you want to march into your boss's office and demand a raise, check yourself yes, before you wreck exactly. yourself and be like, are you really? <laughs> yes. Are you really better? I think that one's easy to fall into because we don't have visibility to what everyone else is doing, but we know how much we're toiling. So we always think, yeah, everyone's just having a great old time and I'm the one that doesn't exactly. do all the work. Exactly. And we don't know the thought process behind what people do. So our decisions are, of course, rationalized and make sense, but other people's are just wild and crazy. <laughs> so another way that this kind of illusion can mess up your life in a big way is thinking that you understand complex systems when you don't really like the stock market, which there are constantly people who think they've got that all figured out and they're picking stocks and they think that they have a strategy, but it's all just a big casino, baby. Oh, totally. That's what I was going to say. They're all just fucking gambling. You think you understand how to count cards in a blackjack table, but you don't know jack shit and you are just handing over that money. So that's one of the ways it'll get you. Another way is that we can make ourselves believe that we are actually being healthier than the average person, that we're actually living a little bit more healthily. And this was something that I found myself falling into when I was drinking a lot. I was like, sure, I have a drink or two every day, but most people do, or if not, more drinks per day, which that is not the case. I feel like of all these, like I'm looking at the ones that feel like I fall into overestimating our intelligence. Well... Okay, probably guilty. Better at our jobs and our coworkers. No. Mm -mm. <laughs> Understand complex systems like the stock market? No. Drive better? No. Make yourself believe that people are living less healthy lifestyles? No. <laughs> I'm like, do I have a self-confidence issue? Well, we'll, we'll dig into what might be at work there in a second. But some of the other ways, I think the most dangerous way that this can affect our lives is by making us believe that we're less acceptable to our own biases and more resilient against being influenced. Okay, guilty on that one. That's a big one. And I think, you know, when we talked about the Dunning-Kruger effect with COVID, this was a really big topic as well, where we get in our bubbles and we decide that we know what we know. And we think that we're getting the object truth because we couldn't be swayed yeah. Guilty on that one. Well, we can choose to look at these and think that, oh, we fall into these. We fall into some of them. We don't fall into others. It's acceptable. We're, we're good. We're bad. Whatever. But if we take a minute and look at these, do these really sound like things that make us think we're better than other people? Or are maybe they just sound a little bit optimistic? Because it's true that illusory superiority and optimism walk hand in hand. Because if you didn't believe that things were going to work out, why would you even try? So is this superiority a weird glitch in our self-serving brains? Or is this something we've evolved as a survival mechanism? 
definitely a survival mechanism. Because if you sat around thinking that you were an unpopular dum-dum who was ugly and was never going to be able to catch the beaver or the zebra, (laughs) then why would you even try? And if you didn't try, you're definitely going to die. So it's something that we have evolved to think of ourselves as competent, no matter how incompetent we are, because assuming that you're competent is at least going to get you out the door. (laughs) And I mean, people run into that, right? That's what depression does and other mental illnesses. But, you know, on average, like as if our brains are working as intended, then they're going to think that we can. Yeah. We're going to think we're going to be great today. Today is going to be the day. Everything is going to be amazing because we're amazing. That is what gives gets us out of bed every morning. Science is just a big old bummer telling us all that we're not amazing. <laughs> Maybe we should just ignore it and just... Go with how awesome we all think we are and then have a great day because of it. Or maybe, you know, we think average is down here. Maybe all humans are pretty incredible. So average is a little bit higher than we thought. And we'd be lucky to be amongst the ranks because we are pretty optimistic as a species. I mean, people woke up one day and decided that they were going to sit in a giant tin can strapped to a bunch of gasoline and igniter fluid (laughs) and shoot up into the space because they thought it was going to (laughs) work. They just, they believed it was going to work out. And, you know, I guess it did for for most of them. They thought they were smarter than gravity. And you know what? They fucking were. (laughs) Sometimes we're just as smart as we think we are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So we all have a little bit of superiority working in us and apparently working for us. And at least the odds are we do think we're superior in some way. 65% of us do. Or 94% of the University of Nebraska. That's it. Uh, professors. <laughs> higher, <laughs> higher ed, academia. Ha. <laughs> but can't, those who can't do teach. <laughs> and they think they're great at it. <laughs> so we all have this and we can see what it can do for us. But what happens when this little healthy dose of optimism goes too far? Well, we will dig into that right after this quick break. When superiority goes too far, I don't know anything about that. Listen up, fives. A 10 is speaking. <laughs> Let's go. Spoken like a true Jenna. Jenna Maroney. Again. Naturally fancy. <laughs> and if you don't know what 30 Rock is, like, you can't sit with us. I'm sorry. Turn off the <laughs> podcast right now. Like, and go watch 30 Rock. All eight seasons of it? I think you're right. Eight, Woo-hoo. yeah. I almost lost my 30 Rock fan card there if I was wrong. (laughs) But Jenna actually does possess a healthy dose of confidence and, dare I say, a dabble of superiority. And she's not alone in having more than her fair share of those qualities because it does happen from time to time where somebody takes this sense of superiority a little bit too far. So we're going to walk through just a couple examples of what happens when we get a little too superior. And we're going to climb the ladder, so to speak. We're going to start at the bottom rung at the least bad and then go up from there as if it's almost like 
a ranking or something. And then <laughs> and then the top is the best of the best of the best of the superiority complex. Well, yes, it's the biggest and the baddest, that's for sure. But to start with, let's look at the superiority complex, right? Everybody's heard that phrase. Oh, you have a superiority complex. And who doesn't? This simply means that a person believes they are superior to others and makes sure everybody knows about it. <laughs> People with this complex tend to be boastful and make claims about how great they are that aren't always able to be backed up by facts or reason or reality. They can also be unwilling to listen to others, sensitive when somebody disagrees with them, and pay a lot of attention to their personal appearance or how others are perceiving them. I can think of a couple people in my life like this. Oh, oh, we all can. Let's take a moment and hold an image of that person in their head. And on the count of three, we will whisper their names out loud. One, two, I'm kidding. We don't have to do that. We, <laughs> we don't have to put them on blast. I wasn't going to do it anyway. You can't trick You were going to say Rachel. I get it. I know. I know <laughs> no, what I you were going not. to say. It's fine. It's fine. I was thinking of two people I know. <laughs> None of them are on this podcast. <gasps> That's good because it's just me. <laughs> that would give it away. I don't have to be above average intelligent to figure that one out. <laughs> but while we all could easily think of a person, it's tempting to write them off as just being a-holes. There is actually a reason for their behavior. A lot of psychologists find that people with superiority complex actually have pretty low self-esteem and are very insecure. I don't need a psychologist to tell me that. I feel like that's written all over them. <laughs> I mean, it's common sense. Even our freaky friend Freud weighed in on this and wrote that he believes superiority complex is a result or a reaction to compensate or overcompensate for areas in which we are lacking. And you know what? I agree with him in this case. But like you said, Laura, not breaking any new ground there. It's just so obvious when someone just can't stop talking about themselves and how great they are. It's just like... Who who are you trying to convince here? Is it us or is it you? Yeah, it's like keep talking because you need it apparently. And in these cases, they're not just talking to hear to themselves how great they are, but they're actually doing it to protect themselves from that feeling of inadequacy or really trying to ward off other people from thinking that or seeing that feeling that they have about themselves. And you know what? It does do a good job at masking it because we don't see a, an insecure person. Well, we kind of do in the roundabout way. But we do see somebody who's prideful and arrogant. Not exactly somebody we want to be around anyway. Yeah. Either way, it's avoid that person when they come around the cocktail party. Uh, yes. Oh, my gosh. I know a few people who can clear. <laughs> clear, <laughs> clear room. Yeah. Oh, no. You feel bad for them but at the same time. It's like you don't. <laughs> Do you not see what you've done to yourself? Yeah. And it's tough because a superiority complex isn't listed in the DSM-5 as a diagnosable condition, but it is something you can seek help from and talk to a therapist about. You know, nudge, nudge if anybody listening that this description hit a little close to home. And I feel like probably most of us fall into this a little oh, bit Oh, for times. sure. You find yourself doing that boasting and you can tell, you're like, you know why you're doing it in that moment. You can, if you're a self-aware individual, you can understand your own motivations. You're saying it because 
you don't feel so great about yourself in this scenario. So you want to make sure you're trying to grab on to that top rung of the biggest and the baddest and the monkey hierarchy. You're taking a bid for it, even though you know you ain't. Well, yeah, you got to come out swinging as the biggest and baddest, lest somebody realize that you think that you belong mm-hmm. lower on the ladder. And speaking of ladders, this is the base. If we climb up a rung on the ladder of intensity with feeling that we're better than other people, the next level is narcissism or narcissistic personality disorder. And this is a term I know you've heard before because, oh my fucking God, it is like the word of the hour in recent years and everybody wants to know if everyone around them is a narcissist. Like, really, if you are feeling personally victimized by everyone around you, then babes, you might have found the narcissist, but I guarantee you, you're going to be shocked by who it actually might be. Commentary. I can't stand it. I see it all the time. Narcissist, narcissist, narcissist. I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. I don't, not everyone you meet is a narcissist unless you're the narcissist. (laughs) Yes. But really the word narcissism as we throw it around in those like articles and listicles and TikToks that I see is really just common vernacular for superiority complex, right? It's just another way of saying superiority complex. But real diagnosable pathological narcissism is much more severe. It's easy to understand the confusion, though, because the condition does share many traits with superiority complex, but they take it a step further. Just like any narcissist, they're a one-upper. Of course. They said, oh, you think you're better than me, superiority complex? Mm Mm-mm. Let me show you that you're not special. You're not the it girl. I am. And how they do that is in addition to bragging a lot and getting offended easily, they hold really high opinions of themselves and they take that to the extreme. They don't just think that they're more accomplished than other people or more skilled than other people. They believe they are truly special and hold a grandiose sense of self-importance. This not only shapes how they expect the world to treat them, but also how they treat others. Someone with narcissistic personality disorder will expect that they should receive special treatment and they dream of power. Because they think they're so special, they lack empathy for others and will even go as far as to exploit or take advantage of other people to get what they want. Side note, narcissist is often tossed around with other armchair diagnosis like psychopath and sociopath. And let me give you the 30-second, well, actually, difference as read and understood by me, someone with exactly zero clinical training or knowledge. (laughs) Okay, Dunning-Kruger. You nailed it. (laughs) (laughs) While sociopathy and psychopathy have their share of narcissistic tendencies, the conditions are inherently different at their core. Narcissists believe that they are better than other people, which excuses their actions. Meanwhile, psychopaths and sociopaths just can't relate to other people. They don't see them as being, thinking, feeling entities. They don't even see them as humans. Narcissists are like, you're other humans, but I'm a better human. Where psychopaths and sociopaths are like, you guys aren't even human. I am human. I have thoughts. I have feelings. I deserve things. You are nothing. Yes, you are useful to me. If that, right? So I can do whatever I want with you because you are not 
the same as me. And that, my friends, is the difference between a narcissist, a psychopath, and a sociopath, as learned in my 20 minutes of research, as you called it, Dunning-Kruger effect in action. Take a bow. Well, actually. (laughs) But back to narcissism. Like many mental disorders, we don't know exactly what causes the condition, but psychologists think it is also linked to feelings of inferiority, environmental factors like poor parent-child bonding or relationships, or just neurobiology and genetics, right? It just might be how your brain's wired. The final level, the highest rung of where superiority can become very bad, is when you take it to not just an individual, but to an entire group when they decide that they are better than other people, which is called ethnocentrism. And this is essentially superiority complex hyped up to a societal level. I remember learning about ethnocentrism the first time in my first sociology class. Yeah, sociology 101. That's the time to really wake up. I changed my life at community college. Mine was community college too. The concept of ethnocentrism is essentially the belief that your culture is better than other cultures because you're comparing those cultures to your cultures through the lens of your culture. How many times can I say culture in one sentence? (laughs) Culture. Culture. That was a little confusing. As a copywriter, I'm like, that was too many cultures in one sentence. (laughs) An example. Let's say it's immoral in your culture for women to talk for an hour straight. If you are listening to this podcast, you'd obviously think we are goddamn barbarians because we've been talking for one hour and 11 minutes straight. Don't worry, listeners, we'll shave off a few during editing. But in reality, there's nothing wrong ethically or morally about us talking. It's just us talking into microphones. But speak for yourself, Rachel. Nothing ethically or morally wrong with two women behind a microphone. Jeez. Oh, we might get ideas. Next thing you know, we're all going to be lesbians. My hot take on it is that it can go really, really bad in really, really bad ways. But I think it's also completely normal to think that your culture is great and normal it's just like with your family right so you think your family like you know your family's not perfect i don't know you're talking about my family's very lovely (laughs) and then you meet other people's families like your significant other families and you're like oh man why are people storming out of the restaurant (laughs) (laughs) like you you on some level know that you're both imperfect and fucked up but in your own head you're just like yeah but mine's just better. just makes a little it's bit more like, sense it's a little bit more comfortable it, exactly and i think that this is natural to extend it beyond from your immediate family to the the entire country or culture that you were raised in it's just it's, it's normal. normal but you have to be able to challenge it and at some point absolutely live and let live because i could have gone down yes. a whole nother rabbit hole when it came to ethnocentrism. And let me tell you, it can get pretty bad pretty quick when the concept of dehumanization and how that leads to many, many crimes against humanity. Yeah, definitely. So on that rosy note, there we have it. All the fun and exciting ways we can take superiority to new heights. Um, All new levels. We're seriously like professionals at it. It's like we were born to feel this way. (gasps) You see what I did there? I threw back to that that first section. Like you were... Evolved? 
Evolved. Oh, yeah. Wow, it took me a second. There we go. I'm tired. Sorry. <laughs> it's okay. I'm just a little bit better than you. <laughs> I mean, I did write the research, so I knew exactly what I was thinking when I wrote every word down. <laughs> Weird. Yeah. I, I mean, I didn't just beam them straight into your head. That's not how that works. What? No. Mm-mm. Now that we've learned a lot about superiority, let's go back to the rude question. So, Laura, has your opinion changed over the course of the episode? Not really. Do I think that I'm better than most people? No. No, not really. I think I'm probably pretty average. There might be some outliers in some specific areas that I'm above average, but on the whole, I average out to perfectly average. Perfectly average and every way. That's a good thing. Like Mary Poppins, right? Sure. She said perfectly something. Except for she wasn't. She was magic. Extremely extraordinary. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fuck you, Mary Poppins. You thinking you're better than me? Because <laughs> you are. <laughs> I I don't know. Your bag could also hold a lot of stuff in it with those boots that let your carrying <laughs> weight go up. So there you go. There you go. Put some two by fours in there. Well, you're definitely an outlier then because when I started the research, I would have said that most people think that they're better than average. I believe that that's just what people thought because of the research we've looked at from the episodes we've recorded in the past. I just assumed that was in any situation, somebody's going to think that they are better than you just given, right? Just because we think Mm -hmm. we're better than other people. But over the course of researching this question, my answer has changed to no. As I did the research, I found that my answer began to change. And it changed for reasons. Let me explain. Point one, if you're asking a person in your life, a person you see often and are potentially close with, I'm going to guess that they don't think that they're better than you. And here's why. Sure, we evolved to be ranked and subtly pick up on social cues that let us subconsciously rank the people around us so that we can seek out the people we think are higher status because it's rewarding, right? But people Mm -hmm. who seek you out and spend time with you must be doing so because it's rewarding to them. And therefore, I can only assume that they must see you as an equal or higher status. Boom, point one. Because if people are choosing to be around you, they don't think that you're some lowly nobody because then why would they want to hang out with you? Exactly. That was low-hanging fruit. That wasn't like me breaking any (laughs) new ground. But the second point, even if you aren't buddy-buddy, we, as we learned in that self versus aggregate comparison, we tend to believe the best about the people around us once we see them as individuals. So when you think of like teams you're on or groups you're working with, I think it's easy to think that people in those situations think they're better than you. But through that study, we've learned that as a whole, we tend to give credit to the individual when comparing them to the anonymous average people. Whether that's because we are just kind beings that see the best in people or because we have our own illusory superiority at work saying like, oh, this person is associated with me. They can't be below average because I wouldn't associate with somebody below average. I, I think this comes into play most often at work, right, where somebody comes in and they're maybe not the sharpest tool in the shed, but, oh, I hired them, so I couldn't have possibly <laughs> made a bad choice. Confirmation bias. Yeah, and I, that question doesn't come up to me that often. 
do they think that they're better than me? My question is always, do I think I'm better than they are? That's the question that generally comes to me a lot. And I generally come down to that answer that I gave in the beginning. It's like, in some areas, yeah. In other areas, absolutely not. I try to see the strengths in other people and recognize my own weaknesses when comparing myself to others. Yeah, I definitely take it in the opposite way where I'm trying to decide what other people think about me. Maybe that's my own inferiority complex coming out, but... Or I'm just self-absorbed and I want to know what I think all the time and I don't give a shit what anybody else thinks. <laughs> I don't know. It's just a whole different kind of conflict. <laughs> well, yeah, I just like, I feel like I go into most situations being like, I'm going to like you as a person and then until proven otherwise. But then I'm always trying to figure out, why don't you like me? What did I say? <laughs> <laughs> what did that weird eye twitch mean? <laughs> but I need to learn to loosen up because as we learned with the specific comparison do people think that they're better than you the ambiguous you that holds all of our opinions and bias towards other people definitely as a whole we're going to think that we're better than that average person as you said but do the faceless man exactly but do people think that they're better than you laura or you listener odds are probably not i mean bearing any underlying mental conditions of course bearing any Jenna Maroney's <laughs> yes probably not exactly and that's kind of uplifting in my opinion so there we have it folks a nice wrap up on a not so nice question if I do say so myself hashtag narcissist oh. alert <laughs> yeah I, good you did such a good question Rachel that was such a good oh question oh my gosh is my question above average absolutely 65% above average great <laughs> it's definitely above average of episodes that we've recorded. <laughs> <laughs> so let us know, listener, what do you think? Do you think you're better than us? Huh? Huh? Let us know. Send us an email. Rude at impolitesocietypodcast.com. Send us your deep, dark secrets. And of course, follow us on socials if you're a social media type person. And you know what? I can guess something about you, listener. It's that you're above average. You're so smart. And the people in your life are also above average. So they're so smart. Share in polite society with your other intelligent, smart, funny friends who are like you. Send us your curious, intelligent, and thoughtful tribe members. And maybe as a bonus, you'll climb up that social ranking by being such a trendsetter with exquisite taste. All right, guys. So don't forget, not for one second, everybody, stay curious and don't stop marching to the beat of your own I got to know, Laura, do you think you're better than me? You think you're better than me? No. I don't think I'm better than most people. Yeah, I guess we established that. Maybe you're better at me than listening because I asked you that same question like five times. <laughs> <laughs>